welcome to Tales She Told Me, a podcast featuring honest conversation about what it means to be a woman, a mother, and in business. I'm your host, Farah Haydar. Today, we will be discussing lessons in motherhood, and joining me is Megan Riley. Megan Riley is the COO and co-owner of Tippy Toes, an international franchiser of children's dance. For more than a decade, Megan has helped franchise owners build and grow their own businesses around the world. A 2012 Shark Tank alum, Megan and her business partner were awarded a deal by Mark Cuban, yet decided to grow their business on their own and have since reached 35 franchises, as well as written and published children's music that's hit the Billboard charts and reached number one on iTunes. Megan is the creator and host of one of the top 12 parenting podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Who Is Your Mama podcast. Great podcast, by the way, where Mm -hmm. she speaks to the mothers of some of the world's most successful CEOs, athletes, and entertainers. Megan also works as an export mentor for Jesse Itler. It's... for Jesse Itzler's Elite Coaching Program, Elite 365. Megan and her husband, Chris, have been married since 2007 and have three daughters who are five, seven, and nine. Megan and Chris renovate homes, love to play outside with their kids and their 100-pound dog, Ralph. So I love that bio. And I followed you actually for a while now um, through Jesse Itzler's program and also as a mother and being in business, you know, a business owner myself, your journey has just resonated with me a lot on many levels. So I'm going to start off with a question about, you know, as a mother yourself, what is the most valuable lesson you have learned to date? Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, the first, the greatest lesson I've learned is that there's no right way to be a mom. There isn't a right way to do it. And we all are just trying our best. And I think the most important thing is showing up for your kids and just keep keep trying. But there is no right way to mom. No right way. Yeah, I agree with that. I, You know, I have two children. I don't know how many you have. You said you mentioned you have four, three children. So I'm mm-hmm. sure they're all different, right? Like what works with my daughter does not work with my son. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. I actually remember when our, our third, so timeouts worked like a charm for number one. Number two, she gave me a little bit more uh, of uh, hesitancy, but it worked. And the third, I was like, I threw my arms up there. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had to, you know, talk to a pediatrician. I got a new book. I had a whole new approach for my third. They are all different and they come to us different. And then, um, you know, we're different parents for each one of them. Cause I was a parent with one child with one. And then all of a sudden, by the time you have three, you're, you're a different type of parent. So we all are growing constantly and we all have to kind of adjust and, and just do the best we can, which is why there's no right way to do it. Cause it's, everything is always changing. Well, I always tell people too, like going from one to two is not like doubling, it's tripling because you have to deal with the second as well as the interaction between both of them, which can be interesting as t- at times, you know, siblings, they fight or they disagree yeah. or, you know, or they help 100%. each other out. Yes, a hundred percent. It is. It's a whole new thing. And then you have a different dynamic and there's never an off time once you have to, you know, I mean, there, there is, it's just, there's always things that are changing and there's always wonderful things that you find. And there's always like super hard things that you discover, (laughs) Um, but that's part of it. Yeah. I often tell my first, she was my trick baby. She um, made me think I could do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) So now you've interviewed tens of mothers on your podcast, right? Maybe hundreds. Is there a recurring theme that you hear all the time? 
a regret, a piece of advice? You know what I love, Farah, is that there have been common threads. And I think that's while I say there's no one way to parent, and I totally agree with that, there are common themes that you will see from these moms that have raised extraordinary people. Um, one of them is to enable your child for who they are. Mm-hmm. And by that, I think that, you know, we go into deeper discussion on my show, but basically it's like, don't try to make them something they're not enable them for who they are. So support them, you know, um, believe in them, take them to, you know, even if you don't care about the oboe, but they love the oboe, you take them to oboe you know, lessons or whatever. Um, so that is one really is enabling them to be themselves. And that's one of the key ones. Another one I've heard from many moms is give them time to just be bored and to be open and to just have white space. And that's something that has changed over the generations. When we were, when I was growing up, there was, we were a little bit less scheduled, you know, than we are today. And when my mom was growing up, it was much less scheduled than we are today. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those things that parents today have to be more diligent to really make sure you're getting like, you know, we almost have to schedule in the white space now because kids are going from one thing to the next. And I have found myself getting into that, that habit too, with three kids, you throw in practices and games, all of a sudden your time goes really quickly and everything is structured and kids don't have that free time to just be bored or make up a game or, you know, decide to have a lemonade stand or all those things that happen when you have nothing scheduled and you just tell the kids, go figure out out what you're going to do. Um, so those are two of the keys that I would say is, you know, enabling your kid to be who they are and then give them time to be bored. Um, those two have changed how I parent those lessons I've learned from the moms. They have absolutely changed how I parent my own kids. Yeah. I mean, and that's a common theme with successful people, right? They always say, well, I was the kid that failed out of high school, you know, or I was the kid that didn't, by traditional measures, they're often not what we would traditionally see as childhood successful, right? Um, so I think that's that's a great thing. You know, when I hear the thought about white space and stuff, it's I 100% agree. I think our kids are just not bored enough. Um, two things come to mind for me, and I'm wondering if you had heard any feedback on these. The first one is we're kind of pressured these days to not have white space, right? Mm-hmm. There's always like, well, why aren't they doing this? And why aren't they doing that? And let's get them, into, you know what I mean? And um, I feel like, how how do you resist that? Yeah, it's a great question. And you know what's interesting is I don't think a lot of the the moms that I talked to, I don't think had to really resist it. Because I'm talking to women, a lot of times who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. So their kids are, you know, more my age. Um, and I, I really, so it's kind of interesting. It's a lesson I've taken from them. And then I see how hard it is to actually implement. Because I, like I said, I will find myself all of a sudden scheduling everybody with one or two sports in a season. And next thing you know, we have zero white space. And so actually I'll tell you, one of the things I do is in the summer, well, I, and I do this throughout the year, but during the summer, you know, everybody has a camp normally, you know, you're you're going to some sort of a camp. Well, I have a a camp um, (laughs) and it's called the week of boredom. And I'm like this week, I'm not doing anything with you. I'm not, we're not doing anything. We're not turning on the TV. We're not going anywhere. I'm not taking you to 14 parks. We're not like nothing. And my kids resist it. And then they secretly love it because they're upstairs in their room playing together, figuring it out. Um, So I would say 
I have, I, I have to be very consciously aware of what our schedule looks like. And frankly, I'm in charge of it. So, yeah. you know, those of us that are scheduling them in, in the sports, we also have to be the ones that say no. Um, yeah. So I don't know that there's really a hack for how to, how to, you know, fight the urge to overschedule. But I think it, once it's on your radar as a parent or as a mom, then you make decisions accordingly. So once it was on my radar, I decided to have that week of boredom in the summer. I decide that when I see we don't have anything going on the weekend, I resist the urge to schedule something. And I just say, no, we're not going to do, we're not going to have anything on the calendar. So I don't know, like I said, I don't think there's necessarily a hack for it other than just knowing this is the world we live in. We have to be aware of it. And then you make the decision that's right for your family. For me, I choose boredom and white space and empty calendar days anytime I can, because it's few and far between once you have three kids, it doesn't happen that often, but, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's on the forefront of my mind. And I try my best to include that in our life. Now, you know, you mentioned something you that I kind of caught my ear, which you said no TV. And to me, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, with white space, I feel like my kids end up on electronics, which is not the point, right? Like if the point of for them to be bored, it's not to be fed this information. So any tips on that? <laughs> like how, <laughs> how to get electronics out of the way? Yeah. You know, I here's my thing with, with it is I don't, I don't, hate on them. Like, I think they have their place. Our kids are going to be spending time with them most of their life. When my kids were little and I was in the weeds and I was overwhelmed, I would flip on that TV. And if the TV saved my sanity that day, I didn't worry about it. I was like, you know what? You're going to watch four hours of TV today. And I don't care because I need this to survive. So I want to say that in one breath In the next breath, um, one of the conversations that I like to have with my kids, mine are five, seven, and nine right now. And I learned this from, um, Janine Driver, I believe is her name. She is a a body language expert. She has a lot of great tips about, you know, just communication in general. And one of the things she talked about that I've totally um, adhered to and added it to my life is I talk to my kids about balance. And so instead of saying, hey, turn that TV off, you guys watch too much TV. I go and I say, hey, what have you guys, what are you watching? And then they talk, you know, it engages them. And I say, "Um, okay, so... um, so have you been, have you watched a couple of shows so far? You know, I have this conversation. Yeah. And I say, you know, you've been watching for an hour or two, or you're, you've been on your, your, you know, Kindle or whatever they have for a little while. I know, you know, so much about balance and the importance of balance. And, you know, we talk about this when we eat and we talk about this in our life. And it seems like this might be a good time um, to think about balance and how we're spending our time today. Do you think, you know, and so you, it sounds heavy. And I remember when Janine said this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a whole long conversation to have when I just wanted to say, turn off your thing, you know? (laughs) But the truth is, is I have started to say, hey, I know you understand balance and the importance of it. Do you think it might be time to switch activities and do something else? And I'm telling you what, Farah, when I heard this, I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. And I tried it and it's been wonderful. I don't approach them where I'm coming at them and telling them not to do it. And you do this too much. I come at them with like, Hey, I know, you know, this stuff because we, I've seen you do this when you eat, you know, we don't eat cake all the time because we know we need balance. We don't watch TV all the time because we know we need balance. And when you kind of bring them through that, it has been super helpful for me. I've only been doing it for about, I don't know, four or five months. And it's, but it's been it's been awesome. So I highly recommend that piece of advice. It was not my creation. I stole it from another mom, which I think all of us moms are used to doing, but it works. Yeah. 
Yeah, that definitely, you know, I'm going to give it a try. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, well, let me know. Try yeah, it. I love Mine's that. a little bit older. Uh, one of like, I have a 13 and a nine year old. So, you know, sometimes when they get older, it's a little more like, you know, my 13 year old is at that point where she just doesn't really want to talk to any of us. So that's, that's a whole a different kitten caboodle, but I'll give it a try. Um, you know, obviously I think there are a lot of myths and we around motherhood and we glorify motherhood a lot, um, in the media and, and in culture, which is why I love having these conversations. But what do you think the hardest part of motherhood has been for you? Um, I mean, it's really hard. Like it's a very, very hard job. It All is, of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really hard. And I, here's, it's interesting. I didn't like it when I was pregnant and people be like, Oh, enjoy it while before you have a kid. I, I remember always feeling like people were so negative about it. I was like, gosh, that's, that's hard. You know, that feels daunting. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like that approach because I do think it's wonderful and it's fabulous. It is so hard. I have run a company. I've started a podcast. I've created things from scratch. I've, um, I've been a maid. I've done all sorts of different jobs. The hardest job I've ever done is being a parent, being a mom. Without a doubt, hands down, far and away, no questions asked. It's the hardest thing. Um, I think one of the hardest things is there's no there's no pat on the back, A plus check mark validation. You never, you just are constantly hoping you're doing the right thing, you know, and then someday at some point you might see your kiddo, you know, have someone say, your kid has great manners. And you're like, they do. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to hear that. I do. You know, because yeah. our perspective as a parent, we are the safe place for our kids. We are the place they're going to throw the tantrum. We are the place that they are going to say everything negative and bad, but also all the great stuff. But in, in, by human nature, we hear the negative more than the positive. So there's just never this feeling of like, I nailed it. I am doing mom right. I am doing this job right. Where you otherwise you have validation. You have, you know, you're at another job, you have quarterly, you know, evaluations or something. You get none of that with parents. You just start flying by the seat of your pants, crossing your fingers and hoping they become a human being that's happy and fulfilled. You know, that's it. And so I'm with you. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really hard. I think it's hard to never really know what you're doing. And actually, back to your earlier question. I've heard that from a lot of like the moms that I've interviewed, many of them didn't feel like they were nailing it as they were doing it. And I'm talking to moms who've raised extraordinary, unbelievable human beings. They didn't feel like they were crushing parenthood and just completely knocking it out of the park. They also felt like, I hope this is right. I hope (laughs) this is going to work out. You know, I think that's, that's a challenge. It's a real challenge to just never really know if you're if it's going to work, you know, if what you're doing is the right approach. I think that's hard to, to um, deal with every single day. I'm with you. Uh, you know, once uh, I, w- I went to my sister, I have six sisters, all of them older than me, obviously have, you know, I have like 21 nieces and nephews. They've all raised children. Some of them are, you know, have children, their grandmothers already. Um, I'm a great aunt myself, but you know, I went to one of them once and I was like, I just don't understand my kid. And she just looked at me. She's like, if you're waiting for validation from your kid, you're going to be waiting a long time. (laughs) She's just like, great advice. Like, don't even think that is going to be your path. And I was just like, okay, like, I I guess I'm just going to have to settle this. But for me, one of the hardest things, and I I don't know if you'll agree with me, but is there's no break. 
like even when you're away like so there's no break like you're always thinking about them you know totally it's, true. it's a life totally sentence. True. <laughs> It is, I mean, it is constant. It is a constant. It is a complete change in your mindset and your day in your life. Um, because even when everything's good, you can still, you know, everybody's happy, everybody's healthy, everyone likes their school teacher, like whatever. You still are thinking, are they? I mean, you're thinking of all the things, everything. Like, are they going to be happy? Are they going to find a friend next class? Are they going to? You know, you just you you're all in on this thing. Um, and you care so much, you know, you care, you want it, you want them to be so happy and you want them to be fulfilled and you want them to be satisfied and happy and you want them to feel loved. And you just, you want the moon for them. And when you want that, you never stop thinking about it. You know I mean? I, know. I, I agree. And, and I think the, I think also that's why, you know, what happens inside the household is so important. And one of the things I, you know, I mean, honestly, I tried, I, we talk a lot, I, my kids have responsibility around the house and they have to do things like that. But like, even that's not really helpful at this point. Like they're five, seven and nine. I'm like, great. You did that. I have to kind of redo it. But, uh. but then, you know, I mean, it's, it, so even when you try to kind of lighten the load or, or share things at the end of the day, it's just, it doesn't go away. And you know, what I've heard too, is from moms who have adult kids, they're like, having adult kids is really hard. Because yeah. you're not supposed to have an opinion. You know, I, I can't give my opinion and I understand that and that's okay. But then that's, that's its own thing I've got to figure out, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you, like, as my child has grown and my child's still in middle school uh, and I see this much more with her, I've gone from, you transition from telling to guiding. And that's an incredibly hard transition to make when you're so used to telling and you just want to grab their hand and say, just do it like I want you to and you'll be fine. And they can't because there's no agency in that. And if we want to give, I think, our kids anything, it's agency in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. That's what allows them to say no to bad ideas by their, or hopefully (laughs) say no to bad (laughs) ideas. But also as they grow older, their world expands and therefore your worries expand, right? You don't have control over who they talk to anymore, who they're friends with. You don't know the parents as well. You don't, I mean, there's just, there's so much out there that you just kind of like, you're living on a hope and a prayer half the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. You know, a lot of attentiveness, but yeah. um, So I guess for me, like one of the things I wonder about the most and I've heard asked a lot is, and I'd love your opinion as well as what you've heard from other moms is, you know, what is the greatest gift we can give our children? So I believe the greatest gift we can give our kids. I mean, it's so cliche, but it's, it's our love. It's that unconditional love that a mom can give. Um, it's irreplaceable. It, it, you know, it's, it's really hard to come by unconditional love, like the rest of their life, they're going to find conditional love everywhere, like and conditional validation everywhere. There's really one place they can get unconditional love. And I believe that's from, from us as moms. Um, and, and I have heard that different versions of that from the guests that I've interviewed, one of the moms I spoke to, she has uh, been diagnosed six years ago with terminal cancer and she was given, you know, no shot of being alive this, this many years later. One of the things she said 
that I get goosebumps every time I think of it. And it's changed how I parent also is she said, I want my kids to see me watching them. And she's like, whether we're on the playground, whether we're at a ball game, I want them to see me watching them. And in one moment, I felt like my heart sank because I'm like, dang it, I am an entrepreneur. And I know that when I take them to a playground, a lot of times I'm looking at my phone because they're in a playground or there's someplace and I can work for a little bit. Um, on the other hand, I was like, thank you so much for this gift because I, and then you see, you see your kids out there looking at you every now and then to see if you're looking at them and they care. They care if you're looking at them. And I think that's part of that unconditional love is like, Hey, I'm just here. And it's not in your face and it, that changes. And I'm sure I will learn that as my kids get older, it's not always a big hug and a kiss. I love you. Sometimes it's just like a, I'm just here. I love you. I'm just I'm just here, you know, and I don't have to say anything, but you know, I'm never going to go anywhere. And I think just being that steadfast constant in a child's life is the greatest they can have still yell at them, still keep them in line, still have expectations, but just that steady post in their life that they can always count on hitching to if they need to leaving and coming back, but you will never leave. And I think that's the greatest gift we can give our kids. Which circled back, I guess, to the original point is letting them be who they are, right? And not making your love conditional on them completing something or achieving right. something. Or, or being good at something or doing what you want. Like, I, I, have, I, I remember people being like, you know, I see parents living through their kids. And I was like, that's weird. Why would you do that? And then you have a kid. And I love the basketball. And I'm like, oh, I hope they like basketball. And I'm like, oh, look at that. There it is. There's that feeling of like, I did want them to, I, I still do want them to like basketball, but I tried to like keep that, like why that doesn't matter to them. Like it has no bearing on them yeah. that I liked basketball, you know, but it is a gut instinct for us parents to want that for our kids. When at the end of the day, it's like, no, be, be you. And then, because the truth is, is we all know that if they find their sweet spot and the things they love the most, that's when they'll be the happiest. And that's mm-hmm. what I care most about. I know you care most about is, is your kiddo being happy, you know, but, um, but yeah, you're right. It does tie back together to being that constant in their life and just like, no matter what they do being there for them. Yeah. You know, I had to pull myself back a little bit, a lot of times because, you know, I grew up, um, in between the States and, and the Middle East and Beirut during a civil war. So there were a lot of opportunities and, and activities, et cetera, that I just didn't have, you know, didn't have access to, right? I had had other privileges, but I didn't have access to. So when my kids were growing up, I'm like, whatever you want, like, let's do all this stuff. And when they would say no, I'd be like, no, like, why? (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you're not me. And that's, um, that, that it's mind blowing when that happens. The first (laughs) time when you're like, you're like, Damn it. You don't want to, yes, yes, it totally is. It is. Um, and then you're like, oh, okay, this is me. This is work I need to do. This isn't about you. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, and that's one thing I'll tell you. And I and I'm wondering, like, I think my kids have forced me to do more emotional work, or I shouldn't say forced, but have 100%. encouraged, invited into mm-hmm. my life more mm-hmm. emotional work than anything that I've ever done, whether it was starting a business, earning an MBA, moving across countries, like nothing has invited the emotional work I've had to do to be the best parent I think I can be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the challenge. And I think if you don't do it, 
you're depriving your kid, but I think a little bit, but also you're depriving yourself. And yeah, that's a, I, that's a totally agree. Like we said, like, I think it's the hardest job ever. So like, of course you've got to work at it. You know, like you, you don't just, I, I, I honestly don't think anybody just shows up to parenthood and nails it. You know, like there's just lots of work to do. And, and the other thing that comes with it is I also want to model good behavior for my kids. And there's habits that I've created my whole life that I'm like, Ooh, I don't want you to do that. I still so like one of the things that I do, I apologize too much. I'll say, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, like yeah. somebody bumps into me. I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, it's ridiculous and I can't stand it. But I do it still. It's something I battle. And I because and I I, I fight it more now because I have my kids because I know they're hearing me do that. And I'm like, don't apologize for like having, you know, standing in the space, you know, but um, so I think they, they it's twofold to your point is I want to be better because I want to be a better equipped parent. That's why I started my podcast selfishly. I wanted to be a better parent. So I was like, well, let me learn from the best who the best of the best, the ones who've raised extraordinary people, not that they're the best, but they've raised extraordinary people. That's why I did that. And then secondly, because you're setting an example and the kids, our kids are going to pick up what we put down. And if we're putting down, you know, bad habits, that's what they're going to pick up. Yeah, I'm with you. So Megan, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm starting an evergreen question now, and you're, you're the first one I'm going to try it on. So I love it. I love it. So here it is. It is. What is a weird habit or ritual you have that makes your life more joyful? Oh, what a good question. A weird habit or ritual that makes my life more joyful. And I have to admit, that's like a, like a modified Tim Ferriss question that I got from one of his books, but I thought it was so good. I want to start using it. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's see. Okay. Um, I have one. Um, it doesn't really have to do with my kids, except that this is necessary after one of those big long days. Um, and I got this from one of my friends is I will, like, if I had a crazy day or whatever, I put on, um, a mask. I love to put on a mask, like no matter what, what, wherever I'm doing, like it, it could be Tuesday, at five o'clock at night, it doesn't matter. Like I, if, if, if I'm going to be at home, I put on a mask and I've got this robe that I love that I just feel fancy in. And I put my robe and my mask on and I, it makes me just feel different. Makes me feel happy. Makes me feel joyful. I look crazy and I don't mind. So that's it. I put a mask on and wear my fancy robe. Well, that's excellent. Excellent advice. Um, Megan, it was a pleasure having you. And for those of you listening out there, if you want to hear more from Megan, the blessed place to reach her is on LinkedIn. Just look her up at Megan Riley, or you can connect with her on Instagram at who is your mama pod on her website, who is your mama.com or listen to her podcast. Who is your mama? links in the show notes below. As always, I'd love to hear from you about this episode. What lessons have you learned about motherhood? Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Farah Haydar. Also, I'm giving away a PDF of some of the best quotes we've had on the show, beautifully designed to print, cut, paste, whatever you like, and for you to journal about what they mean to you. Email me at farah at farahaydar.com and title it quotes. Talk to you soon. Till then chase your happy.